Chapter 27 of Catherine von Bora, Dr. Martin Luther's Wife by Armin Stein, translated by E.A. Endlich. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 27, More Trouble. Great courage and a high degree of trust in God were needed to face the future. The ruined house might have been repaired, but whichever way the widow turned, she saw only desolation. Lord, how long, sighed the poor woman, but the answer was, thine hour is not yet come. Thou shalt enter still further into the dark valley, but my rod and my staff shall comfort thee. The war had laid waste to a large district. The burdens lay heavily upon the drained and ravaged land. Wearily the peasant plowed his fields, knowing that others would reap the fruit of his toil. With sorrow, Catherine's thoughts reverted to her beloved Zolsdorf and the fond hopes she had cherished there. But her dear husband had found another resting place. She had not been permitted, in the peaceful quiet of Zolsdorf, to comfort his declining years with her loving care. And now, in her widowhood, the care of her children's education made a residence there impossible. She had resigned this wish, but hoped to find in her farm a means of support. In consequence of the war, however, the land had become worthless, and what the horse's hooves had spared was claimed by the sovereign for the expense of the war. Instead of receiving from Zulsdorf, she was obliged to give. And Voxdorf, she repented bitterly of having urged the purchase of the second estate. The Chancellor Brooke had been right in opposing her. Again, Melanchthon proved himself a trusty friend and advisor. He petitioned the Elector Moritz to remit her share of the war taxes, and even accompanied her to Leipzig to the imperial headquarters to make her request in person, but all was of no avail. On all sides, Catherine saw only broken supports. The capital secured for her in Mansfeld yielded no interest. The war had impoverished her friends there and robbed them of means of keeping their promise. In Torgau, another sat upon the electoral throne. A new king had arisen over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. John Frederick, the kind, generous prince in whom she had placed her hopes, lay in chains, and the emperor held the pen which was to sign his death warrant. One hope was left, the king of the Danes, who had on a former occasion proved a friend in need. The widow had been prevented from placing herself personally under his protection, but the ever-ready Melanchthon offered to make an appeal in her behalf to the royal heart. In his petition, he pictured in moving words the condition of Luther's widow. Then she waited and hoped, seeing in every stranger that came to her door a possible messenger from the king. But she waited in vain. Had the letter miscarried, or was the king's heart hardened? Cruel want knocked at Catherine's door, whither in former times so many had come, seeking and finding help and comfort. The world is forgetful, and returns benefactions with ingratitude. Catherine had faithful friends, but they too were poor. Bugenhagen learned to his surprise that the King of Denmark had made no reply to Melanchthon's petition, and without telling the widow of his purpose, he again pleaded her cause. But he too hoped and waited for that which never came. In the meantime, Catherine made a last effort. John, her eldest son, was wasting his time at home, forgetting all that he had learned. By selling the greater part of her remaining trinkets and silverware, she succeeded in raising a few hundred florins. With this money, she repaired the one wing of her house and took lodgers. God, in his goodness, directed the hearts of some of these to have compassion with the widow and to pay her above what she asked. One day, she led John into her chamber and falling upon her knees, committed her son to the Lord's keeping. In the early morning, the youth set out upon his journey. His mother had filled his knapsack with provisions and had given him a few of her hard-earned gold pieces upon the way. Thus supplied, 
he walked to Konigsberg, where he entered his name as a student of the university. His mother's blessing followed him and gave him strength and courage for his work, and her prayer that the hearts of men might turn in kindness to her son found a gracious hearing. John entered the service of the Saxon and afterwards of the Prussian government and lived to do credit to his father's name. Catherine was relieved of one pressing care. John's letters from Konigsberg brought good and cheering news. The other children also gave her much pleasure, and it seemed as though a brighter day were about to dawn. But a fresh trial awaited her. The busy, never-resting hands were forced to be idle. A slow fever threw her upon a bed of sickness. The physician was puzzled. He thought the disorder was of the mind rather than of the body. It became necessary to procure a servant if the lodgers were to be retained. A maidservant was hired to wait upon her, but the discovery of her hypocrisy and dishonesty added new misery to Catherine's sufferings. Then followed days in which she and her children experienced the bitter pangs of hunger. The friends indeed remained. Melanchthon, Bugenhagen, Krusiger stood by her with unchanging devotion. But she shrank from burdening with her troubles those who had already done so much. Piece by piece, her small store of silver wandered to the silversmith, painful as it was to part with these witnesses of her former happiness. But more urgent grew her need, more hopeless the outlook into the future. One day the widow seated herself at the writing table. Since the representations of Melanchthon and Bugenhagen had failed to move the Danish king, she resolved herself to make a last appeal, trusting that her own words, coming from her troubled heart, might prove effective. Writing was an unwanted occupation, her eyes were dim with tears, and slowly letter was added to letter. After two hours of painful labor, the petition was finished. The grace of God through his only Son, Jesus Christ our Savior, to the most gracious and powerful Lord and King. I humbly pray, Your Majesty, favorably to regard this my petition, for the reason that I am a widow and that my dear husband, Dr. Martin Luther, of blessed memory, faithfully served the Christian religion and enjoyed the special favor of Your Majesty. During the latter part of my dear husband's life, your majesty kindly granted him a pension of 50 ducats, wherefore I thank your majesty and pray to God in your behalf. And inasmuch as I and my children have no support, and these troublous times cause us much distress, I would petition your majesty graciously to continue this assistance, for I am sure that your majesty has not forgotten the great and toilsome labors of my dear husband. Your Majesty is the only king upon this earth to whom poor Christians may fly for refuge, and because of the benefactions accorded by Your Majesty to Christian pastors, their widows and orphans, God will doubtless grant you a special gifts and blessings, for which I shall earnestly and faithfully pray. May the Almighty God mercifully protect Your Majesty and all Your house. Your Majesty's humble servant, Catherine, widow of Dr. Martin Luther, Wittenberg on the 13th of October, A.D. 1530. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy, whispered Catherine as she folded the letter. Yes, truly, thus it is written in his word, which cannot fail. But it is also written, My time is not yet come. And again, be patient in tribulation and wait upon the Lord. Again, the petition was in vain. Months passed, but they brought no reply. End of chapter 27.